Well, wonderful. Uh, good morning, everyone. And uh, thank you all for coming. Uh, first, I want to acknowledge that we are gathered on Treaty 7 land, and we respect the histories, the languages and cultures of our First Nations, Métis, and Inuit, and all First Peoples of Canada, whose presence continues to enrich our vibrant community. I'm pleased to share that we have arrived at a significant milestone in our work to ensure that the people in Calgary are safe in the streets, safe on public transit, and safe in their homes. We're announcing today that Alberta's government is providing the Calgary Police Service with $4.16 million this year to help hire and train new officers. That will be assigned to uniform patrol duties in the city centre where they are most needed. We made this commitment in April, and today I'm very proud to say that we are delivering on this commitment with this funding. But as I said a moment ago, this is a milestone, not the end. There is more work to be done. It will now be up to our partners at the Calgary Police Service to recruit, train, deploy these 50 new officers. How and when that will happen are operational matters that the Calgary Police Service will carry out independently from government. And of course, we'll have Chief Newfeld here to speak about when the new officers will be trained, equipped, and ready to be deployed. I will note that this funding will help cover the costs of the officers' salaries and benefits, as well as the vital equipment uh, need, that needs, like uh, vehicles, uh, uniforms, uh, radios, body-worn cameras, etc., uh, essential tools that are going to help empower these officers to uphold law and order. As I've said many times, officer presence matters, and it will continue to matter. Alberta's government will do whatever it takes to keep people safe, and let me be crystal clear, drug dealers who prey upon vulnerable residents and cause chaos on the streets are not welcome in this province. We know that Calgary is a great place to live, to work, to raise a family, but there's no denying that the increase of crime and social disorder that began during the pandemic has not gone away. Police could once say with a high degree of confidence that random and unprovoked attacks were rare. Now it appears they occur almost every other day. This is very concerning and will not be tolerated. We've, we've seen stranger-on-stranger stranger violence, which is a huge concern for me. During my time as a police officer on the streets, you would often hear, quote, the victim was known to the offender, unquote. But we are seeing more violent attacks on citizens just going about their, their daily lives. Not only does this have me concerned, but Albertans concerned as well, and we cannot allow this to continue. The rising crime rates uh, have emphasized the need to address underlying issues uh, such as addiction, homelessness, and mental health. We know that enforcement is only part of a strategy to address these complex and often related issues. As I and others have said before, we cannot arrest our way uh, out of this problem and arrest our way out to community safety. The 50 new officers here in Calgary will provide a necessary and reassuring presence on the streets. However, our work is not done. Alberta's government will continue to do what it can to ensure that law enforcement agencies have the vital tools to keep our streets safe, combat serious and organized crime, and adapt to emerging threats. We will also keep the pressure on the federal government to deliver meaningful bail reform that will hold violent repeat offenders accountable and keep them in custody where they cannot continue to victimize law-abiding citizens. For today, however, I'm pleased that we've reached an agreement to hire and train these 50 new officers for Calgary, 
it will be a great day when they hit the streets and can start making a real difference in the lives of Calgarians. While I have the opportunity, I'd also like to recognize the work that the members of the Calgary Police, Police Service do each and every day to serve their community. And thank you for, for keeping people safe and protected. And you have my pledge that Alberta's government will continue its efforts to ensure that you have the support and resources to carry out your important work. You are a vital partner in making Alberta a better place to live, work, and of course, raise a family. I'd now like to turn things over to Chief Newfeld to say a few remarks. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you to Minister Ellison and all of you for coming here today. We wouldn't be here today if it weren't for the provincial government, the municipal governments and police agencies across this province who've come together to tackle complex problems that are fueling perceptions that public spaces are less safe in communities around our province. It was eight months ago here in Calgary where we stood before uh, our public and some of you to discuss these issues and we committed to find ways to ensure that Calgarians felt safe in public spaces, which includes our transit system. We embarked on targeted operations both covertly and overtly, deploying as many resources as we could to address these concerns and to support our transit and bylaw partners ensuring that our parks and our pathways, transit stations, uh, and all public spaces were safer for Calgarians. Since January, officers working in these areas have laid more than 3,300 criminal charges. They've affected 5,600 warrants and issued more than 3,600 tickets related to work on and around the transit system and on public spaces. In addition, many referrals have been made to social services partners for folks who need those services from within the community. During this work, we realized we have the tools to address violent offenders, but we lack the resources and the ability to sustain those efforts to address those who are causing people to feel unsafe and those perhaps who don't cross into a serious criminal threshold. And what I mean by that is uh, individuals who, uh, who continue to struggle with addictions and mental health and some of their offending wouldn't be very serious uh, on its own. In November's commission meeting, we ended up detailing a history of one of these individuals. We talked about a woman in her 50s who's often found along transit and in our downtown public areas displaying disturbing behavior. So yelling at times, shoplifting, causing a disturbance in and around restaurants, in liquor stores. And at times her behavior has escalated to points where she's punched uh, and threatened Calgarians that she's passed along the street. This woman, it turns out, has had hundreds of involvements with police in the past few years and no doubt has a similar track record with EMS partners, uh, Calgary Transit, uh, emergency wards, that type of thing. Uh, dozens of matters she had before the courts, but like I say, those would have fallen outside of the realm of, of anything that would attract a strong judicial sanction. Uh, and like I say, those would be the types of things where you know you wouldn't necessarily expect uh, a strong sanction for any one thing. And there was a recognition that this was an individual who struggled with mental health and addictions issues and who was struggling. So we were seeing go into, go into court and get no time. So there was a bit of a revolving door uh, in the system. But yet, this was also somebody who refused any offers of services. It was clear that how we've engaged uh, her and so many other people in her circumstances to date hasn't worked for her, it hasn't worked for us, and it hasn't worked for the broader community that she's impacting. Over the last number of months, I've been really encouraged 
in doing this work, we've learned a lot, we've done a lot, and one of the things that we've done is we've been able to improve our data collection and visualization on what I'll call high users of service or high systems users. Uh, we're now able to see past the dozens of individual interactions that we talk about and get a larger and clearer picture around the impact these folks are having, around the challenges they're facing and the opportunities that perhaps some of those things present. That allows us to actually have better insight in looking at how we could better respond to the needs of those types of individuals across our city. So the addition of these new officers is going to help us to create several new teams in the city whose primary role will be to focus on individuals involved in committing crimes, obviously, but also on those high systems users across our city. In working with our partners in the judicial and social support areas, we're going to aim to provide a more individualized case management approach to affect real change in the lives of these individuals and to lessen the impact that they're having on the communities in Calgary. The work will be done in addition to the intelligence-led deployments, which focuses on areas around our city where there's increased social disorder and encampments that we know continue to pop up around the city. So again, with the data we have, we can see when we put pressure on the system, crime and disorder will move around. And so we need to be nimble enough to be able to react and move with that. Today's announcement obviously is a welcome one. Calgary is by no means alone on this journey to improve public safety in our, or improve safety in our public spaces. So we're grateful then to know that we have the full support of the provincial government as well as city council as we continue to move in this new direction. Happy to take any questions uh, you may have in relation to our specific deployment uh, here in Calgary. So this brings us to the uh, question and answer portion of our announcement. Uh, we do have some reporters here on the floor and we do have some on the phone. Uh, if you could just take to the mic to, uh, to ask your questions, uh, we'll start off here on the floor. Go ahead. Hi there, Minister Jordan from CTV News. Uh, I think I heard you say 4.16 million. Mm -hmm. That's about half of what Edmonton got. Why the difference in the funding from yesterday and what will the ongoing funding be for Calgary after that 4.1 million is uh, runs out? Uh, so just as I announced, um, uh, I think I remember before or during the election, it was, it was uh, predictable, sustainable funding. So this is going to be ongoing. So this is... Um, um, a commitment that we made, and we're going to continue to follow through with it. The question that you had originally was a question that I had as well, and, and certainly uh, the answer is quite simply that the difference is due to the alignment between CPS's recruiting cycle and the fiscal year, which ends March 31st, 2024. But I know I've discussed this with the chief as well, and he, he probably could elaborate a little further on that. Did you have a follow-up question? Just hang on. I do, but if I could just get the, the chief on that, would yeah. be great. Okay, yeah, just to add some color to that. So basically what's going to happen here in Calgary is we're going to be adding some new teams, as I said, that's going to do the type of work that I'm talking about. So what we've done is prioritize the rollout. Obviously, as we've talked about, when it comes to putting new net new police officers out onto the street, uh, it takes time to do that through the training cycle and this type of thing. So for us in Calgary here, we're going to, we've prioritized Districts 1, so downtown, District 5, and District 6 to be the first three areas. So again, the province's fiscal year runs till the end of April. So we'll be deploying, uh, posting the positions and deploying the resources into one, five, and six in the first quarter. So we'll need the money in the first quarter. The second part, we won't, I guess, to answer your question, we won't receive any less money than Edmonton to cover the 50 net new officers. It'll just be a question of when the fiscal year ends and when the money comes. So for us, then, the second half of the deployment, the second uh, 25 officers will be deployed in quarter two or at least at, at, at latest early quarter three. So it's just a matter of, of when we can use the money and when the fiscal year ends. Is that clear? 
I, I think so. And just to clarify as well, that ongoing funding from the province, will it be 100% of what is needed for those 50 officers yeah. moving forward? And uh, second question as well. Um, yeah, that's a commitment we made. Yeah. Uh, second question as well for, for either of you. We saw the, the sheriff pilot program and we saw the outcome of that and people downtown reported that they didn't, the, the perception of safety was not higher and it displaced some of the crime that was happening in the downtown area. Uh, how are you confident that 50 more officers will make a difference this time? Well, I had, had his, I'll let the chief speak to that, but I'll, let me just let me just add, add this because it was a similar question that, that I, I had yesterday. Um, as I said, officer presence matters. Um, if uh, if you are an offender, you are less likely to commit a crime knowing that you see a uniform presence officer in and around where you are. So. Um, and, and not only that, but it does give citizens, when you see them, a sense of safety. They, they feel safer. And I think that is something that we have to take into context. It's tough to, to measure that. I, I understand that. But just understand that the feedback that we have gotten, whether it be Calgary or Edmonton, is that, is that people don't feel safe. And it's not to suggest that our, our current whether it be Calgary, Edmonton law enforcement officers are not doing what they can. Absolutely they are. I know that. I was one of them, right? They bend over backwards each and every day. However, having more officers, more presence, more ability to respond to calls, more of an ability to tackle organized crime, more of an ability to deal with people who are, are, are vulnerable and get them the help that they need, which is a conduit and a very, very important part of this very complex problem, uh, only adds uh, um, and benefits what we're trying to do to help people in Calgary. I don't know if you want to add any context to that. Yeah, I guess I would just say that um, when we cherry pick out individual um, initiatives and then say and we evaluate them on their own, it's always hard to do because at the end of the day, I think I think the fundamental question for people is is do you feel safer? The question people are asking is, am I safe in my community? But this is actually just one part of what we're doing. Uh, again, we came out uh, early this year to say we were going to focus on uh, public spaces. You'll know that the city of Calgary uh, approved the transit strategy. So this uh, addition of officers is actually aligned with the transit strategy as well. This will be our contribution to the transit strategy as well. You know that we scaled up our uh, PACT and our mobile response teams. Uh, so, that, so that is going on. This will actually assist in that. Um, I think probably one of the biggest things for us in relation to this is capacity, uh, because what we were finding is we were getting pulled this year. As you all know, there's lots of challenges coming at the police service and at the community. So our officers were getting pulled in different directions, whether it be protests, whether it be World Petroleum Congress, that type of thing. Uh, and lots of times it was hard to keep a sustained focus on the challenges that we face around disorder in public spaces. So this adds a significant amount of capacity to be able to do that. Um, one of the one of the positions in each of the districts will be around coordination for high systems users. So this will be an opportunity when you talk about, you know, as an example, this lady that I'm talking about here, um, in individual interactions with her, you might come across, you know, where she's yelling in a store or whatever. So an officer might come, be very busy, escort her out of the store, and, and that might be it, right? Uh, she may end up getting a ticket somewhere along the way or whatever, and that, that might be it by a different officer. The one thing that we saw is that she rode the transit system a lot, like where we were dealing with her um, through the through the data and heat maps that we developed around one individual that we had this many interactions with uh, showed us that she was using transit. She was all over the city. 
So what this allows us to do is rather than at a time where perhaps she's in crisis or things are escalated, we know that she's our quote-unquote one of our high systems users. So with our uh, community partners, be able to go proactively to try to actually identify issues. This is still based on consent, right? Um, she still has to consent to uh, participating or not um, in this program. But at the end of the day, um, going out at times when things aren't escalated or elevated, I think our opportunities to be able to affect change are probably better than they were before. And this also dovetails into, you know, the province has done a really good job around, I'm thinking of the, the virtual opioid dependency program and the investments into city cells. So when we take people into custody now and they go into um, arrest processing, there are now social workers in there um, that actually screen people, uh, medics that screen people for opioid addictions, and then social workers that actually try to identify vulnerabilities. So more and more in the province, every door is a door for those who are actually struggling with addictions and mental health to have an opportunity to get out of the system, which if we were to move somebody out of the system who we've had literally hundreds of interactions in the last couple of years, uh, and as I say, you, you, that's just the police interactions, not the rest of the system, right? So we think about the pressures on healthcare and stuff like that. Very, very significant opportunity um, to be able to have impact by adding capacity here. So it's not just one piece of anything. It's actually, as the province builds out recovery-oriented systems of care, recovery communities, and the resources are all in that, I think all of this comes together uh, to head in a good direction. <clears throat> Uh, Adam McVicker with Global News. Um, my first question for you, Chief. Operationally, these officers, I guess the first 25 would be after April, if we're talking Q1. Um, what's being perhaps done in the interim in 1, 5, and 6, you know, just to make sure there's eyes on those areas before these extra officers come in and kind of add to that capacity? Yeah, thanks, Adam. So it would actually, just to clarify, we'd be looking in quarter one, uh, filling the first 25 early in quarter one. So we're thinking January. So we have, uh, for next year, we've added two recruit classes. So our recruit classes are 24, so that's 48. Um, so we're scaling up our recruiting in the next year to be able to um, to uh, bring the officers on board. But we're going to fill some of the positions sooner because we believe that coordination piece is super important. Um, but really, as you know, in one district right now, as an example, downtown, we already have the presence of beats and bikes and that sort of thing. There's there's additional resources that, that augment uh, because of the, the significant issues and the size and, and I think proximity of social agencies and some of the challenges that exist uh, in one district. So there are more resources there now. But again, I think the officers are doing an excellent job. But the, one of the challenges has been is being able to be there all the time. Because oftentimes, as you know, like the mountain bike teams um, were designed to be able to deal with some of the issues we face around disorder uh, in the downtown. They're often pulled to other duties. So again, these are teams that would actually be uh, assigned uh, on an ongoing basis to these types of uh, uh, issues, um, focusing on obviously criminality, but also proactively on high systems users. And so I think that'll, that'll be a good piece of work. Um, my next question for the minister, I, I guess I'm just trying to wrap my head around kind of the numbers here. Four point is, how is this, where is this money coming from within the provincial coffers? And is it that $4.1 million every year? Uh, when we talk about that sustainable permanent funding, I know there are some people who are curious because if anything changes, Chief Newfeld will have to be uh, at City Hall during budget talks and asking City Council to to fund that gap if anything does change with this funding. So I'm curious how permanent and, and where that funding is coming from. Permanent is permanent, Adam. I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, uh, we made that commitment. It's a commitment that we stand by. Um, under, under this government, uh, we're going to continue to support our law enforcement communities and make sure that um, they have the 
the predictable and sustainable funding, especially as it pertains to this, this initiative. That was a commitment that we made during the election, and that's a commitment that we continue to make. So the money currently uh, is something that uh, I believe it comes out of this year's budget. budget. And then, you know, we, we go to Treasury Board, we'll do the process, right? But uh, this is uh, this is one of those things that is, um, you know, permanent, certainly as long as this government's here. Said City News. Uh, just to reconfirm something from Minister Ellis, uh, Premier Daniel Smith announced 100 officers that will be deployed in Calgary and Edmonton. So these 50 officers are part of that announcement? Yes. Yeah, so there's uh, 50 in Calgary and, and 50 in Edmonton, yes. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Just for a second, or just build on Adam's uh, question there for a second, Adam. I think this might be helpful. I think one of the things that actually delayed the announcement a little bit there was, and I want to give uh, the provincial government uh, credit where it's due here. So they had talked about uh, in the um, in the run up to the election about fifty new officers in Edmonton and Calgary, so hundred net new officers. Um, our understanding, obviously, and the ministers can confirm that's you know sustainable. Um, funding there, so that's on the go forward. But one of the things that probably slowed things down a little bit is I know both us in Edmonton came forward and said, you know, any time uh, that we add that number of officers, um, those individuals will need supports. They're, they're going to generate work. So in the background, we need to be thinking about the supports that actually make all of that run uh, well. So people at enter reports and people that do disclosure and this type of thing. So we were able to, in addition to the 50 officers, because the province wanted to make it 100 forward-facing um, sworn officers, we were able to get to a place where like the, the funding, the one-time costs for you know vehicles, uniforms, body cams, this type of thing, as well as those back-of-the-house supports that every organization has, those are all included in the sustainment of this. So I just want to, want to say that the work up to that took a little bit of extra time, but I think that was all for the good in terms of, you know, Calgarians and Edmontonians there and, and, this, and the sustainability of the funding. So sorry about that. Hi, Elise Fonchio with CBC. For the minister, how flexible is this funding? Say if as it goes forward operationally they need a little bit more, if they have a need for more officers, or if that money they might argue would be better deployed in, in different areas, how willing are you to kind of tweak what it looks like going forward? Well, I mean, certainly it's meant for high crime areas. Um, I, I would say so it doesn't necessarily mean um, you know, specifically in downtown. However, I'm sure if the chief, uh, in, in his wisdom, believes uh, operationally that there's a, a certain area of concern within the city of Calgary, I'm sure there would be some flexibility to deploy those to where the community needs it the most, right? I mean, really, it's about, um, uh, again, um, you know, we're seeing in certain areas of, of Calgary that, uh, and sometimes it's downtown, sometimes it's not downtown. Having that officer presence might matter. And again, that's an operational decision that the city's, city police are going to make. But again, this is about net new officers to be dealing with uh, high-priority crime areas within the city of Calgary. Just to clarify, more money potentially on the table if well, I, issues I mean, expand? We'll take that on a case-by-case -case basis. I'll say that. And just a follow-up for the chief. As you mentioned, like the high-risk individual that you talked about as well, you noted that she was pretty mobile as well. So how do you adjust or how will you react if when you put these officers in those high-crime areas, the crime moves around? 
Yeah, it's a great question. And so, like I say, we're prioritizing districts one, which is the downtown, as well as five and six uh, right now, because we believe that's where we have the most significant issues today. We, with the second tranche, though, the second 25 is going to go into the other districts. And so this aligns with um, the city's transit safety strategy, where the transit peace officers have also gone to a district model. So it's in the coordination, I think, of uh, the resources and, and having the right resources in the right places. Like, uh, you know, honestly, and, and this would be something that you might be interested in seeing sometime, the data visualization right now that we can look at, I can tell you right now what's the most uh, priority um LRT station or transit station in the city. So so we know what issues are happening where, we know what's driving that. Uh, and with the coordination we have with uh, our partners at Transit there, we can get the right resources there in ways that we never could before. So there's a bunch of pieces to that system, I think, that were fractured before um, that we're able to actually bring together as part of this transit strategy that I think is going to be um, very helpful. But I, I once again, I, I want to say that when we started out talking about this back when the announcement was made, I think the issue at the time was transit. So we started thinking about this in a very narrow way where the, the grant was was almost going to come out as it was like it was transit. And our ask was, could we make it broader knowing that it's sustainable funding and knowing that as we put pressure on some areas of the system, there will be movement within that system. And so the, the province has been very good about making sure that the grant is, 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 is general enough that the officers can be used for their it's very clear they're intended to be forward-facing public spaces, but obviously we know that with the transit system built out in Calgary like we have, folks move around quite readily. And also, as I say, when we put pressure in one area, we get we get impacts in others, and so we have the ability to move around. But there will be deployments of officers from these 50 in every district in our, in our city. Thank you. I uh, will take one more from the floor, and then we'll head to the phones. Yeah, and sorry about that. And this is a question for the chief, uh, Nick with City News. Just... Kind of, I just clarifying what you said earlier. So you have these high risk offenders, and you were seeing that you know they get into the court system, and there's this no time served. And my my concern is like with 50 new officers, and I know we do have these new programs to, you know, bring them into APU and maybe you know get them on the caseworker and so on and so forth. But that could be a lot more people going through the court system. Is this a beginning of kind of conversations like the next step? Are we going to be looking at bail reform? Are we going to look at the court system and kind of fixing that issue where we have all these cases. So, um, so remember the overall what I've what I've said is that no longer will police be seen as an arm of the state, but instead an extension or reflection of the community that they serve. And the um, scenes need to be safe. Uh, points of contact do occur. Law enforcement become a point of contact. We've equipped police services in this province especially the Calgary Police Service, who I'd argue has been very proactive on this uh, for many, many, many years, is it's not about putting the handcuffs on people. It's about helping them to stop the recidivism, recidivism, to get them into a place where they are actually getting treatment for illnesses such as addiction, mental health. So, um, you know, the, the bail system itself is in a completely different conversation um, let me just very briefly touch on that one. C48 has given, been given royal assent. Uh, I have talked to uh, Minister Amory to keep uh, specific uh, data to find out if it is actually going to be effective in keeping violent repeat criminal offenders in custody. However, Alberta's position will still not have changed if it does not keep a violent repeat criminal offenders in custody, which will be that we will be asking that C-75 be repealed. Now, 
I am cautiously optimistic. I am hopeful that C48 will have its necessary effect. But please do not conflate the two. In, in There's violent repeat criminal offenders who prey upon vulnerable people, and then there are vulnerable people where the point of contact is the law enforcement community to help them to get the necessary resources to get them on a path to wellness. Uh, we do have some... Oh, go ahead, Chief. Yeah, maybe just, Nick, I just one thing I'd like to say on that is, like, I think you've hit on something really important here. There's no question. I, I mean, lots of times when we talk about these complex uh, situations that are going on in the community around disorder, and there, there's different types of individuals involved in the system, right? And so make no mistake, for the people that are violent offenders and repeat offenders, we're going to, like, the answer for some of those folks is handcuffs for sure, and we're going to do that. Um, but for the people that shouldn't be in the system, it's not so much a bail issue for those people. It's around trying to be really nuanced and trying to, trying to have an opportunity to get them out. I think that's where we make our best um, our best bang for our buck. I think in the past when we used to actually go and, you know, put that flood the downtown and everybody would it'd be a crackdown, everybody would be treated the same. I think through data and through the partnerships that we have now, we know that everybody is not the same. And like I say, if we look at, at the single interactions with uh, individuals out on the street, you could think that they're all the same. But I think we have the ability to see that bigger, broader picture now and figure out who's the right answer. But but at the end of the day, the reality of it is still for a lot of these folks, it's it's still uh, sad. You know, it's still there's folks who need supports who will not um, accept them. We've got people dying in sheds, for goodness sake. Um, so those are types of things where, you know, we need to keep on making sure we, we talk about whole of system change, but there's a lot of people that think the whole of system doesn't include the police. There isn't a path forward with this, the, the drug crisis that doesn't actually involve the police. Um, and so we've got folks out there doing a great job 24-7, 365, uh, making relationships with people and helping them to get into the right stream. And so I think this is an augmentation of the good work that's being done. I think this is going to be really helpful. Um, but, I, but I think it's a really nuanced approach because the people that we're dealing with and who are making our citizens feel unsafe are not they're, they're not homogenous. They're not, they're not the same. We do have a reporter on the line. Uh, just ask the operator to uh, put through the first caller. Thank you. Jonathan Bradley, Western Standard. Hello, Minister Ellis. Thank you for taking my question. Um, at the Alberta UCP AGM, there were a number of people who voiced concerns with you during the panel about the Calgary Drop-In Center and the criminal activity happening in that area, spreading to other parts of the downtown core and even into places such as Bridgeland. Uh, do you anticipate any of these officers being put in the area around the Calgary Drop-In Center? Why, why not? Uh, well, thank you for the question, but that's an operational question. I'm sure I'm going to have to ask the chief to answer. Yeah, I'm happy to answer. The answer to that is yes, of course. Uh, that is uh, downtown. Uh, the District 1 area is priority one for us uh, in filling these positions. And there will be a new team that will go down there that will deal with exactly those issues. And obviously, a hot spot for us is the East Village, as you talk about, and in the area of the drop-in for sure. Did you have a follow-up, uh, Jonathan? Okay. Yes, I do. My follow-up is uh, we've seen over the last year or so um, various social justice activists um, city, Calgary City Councilors, even uh, Calgary Mayor Jody Gondek, uh, say police should be defunded. Um, how would you respond to that argument? Well, I mean, I, I think I mentioned this a little in my uh, answer earlier. Um, we, of course, the UCP government uh, supports our law enforcement community. Uh, I think, as the chief had indicated, um, 
you know, they, the police have to be a, a central component of this. I'm paraphrasing, sorry, Chief, but but it's the 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 police are the pointy end of the stick. Um, you know, especially when you're dealing with people with um, who, and I always I always find I have to explain the difference between. Um, uh, you know, fentanyl, which is a depressant, and then, of course, uh, crystal meth, which is a bit of an accelerant. Um, um, crystal meth is there's, – there's no such thing as safe crystal meth. It is one of the most dangerous, unpredictable drugs uh, that is, quite frankly, out there right now. Um, when you're seeing people that are, you know, banging their heads against the wall or, or doing, we'll say, erratic type of behavior – um, unfortunately, uh, the reality is we need the, the police to go in and to make the scene safe. And, uh, and that's just what we have to do. Uh, you can't, you cannot uh, eliminate the role of the law enforcement community. I think that you've seen that with uh, jurisdictions in the United States that went towards a kind of a defund the, the police sort of model. Uh, you, you will find that they are uh, absolutely um, making sure that their uh, law enforcement communities are being funded again. So, I mean, I'm not going to speak to what, um, you know, somebody may or may not say uh, within the, the city of Calgary. I will just say that the importance of having our law enforcement um, um, uh, funded, the importance of making sure that we are protecting our community. I think that is a role of, of quite frankly, all governments. Uh, this thank concludes you. all the time we have for today. I'd just like to thank everybody for uh, for showing up. Thank you. Great. Thanks, everyone.